Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Friends, great to be here on a beautiful spring morning. Yes, it is still spring. The team is here. They're raring to go. Bev Glidden. Bev, no. Bev, <laughs> Bev Daring. Bev Daring. John Glidden. Sorry. It all gets a bit like that on a Saturday morning. Anyway, give us a call 94841927. You can go to our uh, gardening email address, gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Shout out to Chris Bartlett for his always enthusiastic breakfast program and Eve and Eve on Hill supported Chris this morning. And thanking our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, for his wrap-up just now. Jim will return at 10am this morning with a classic 70s for you. What sort of week have you had, Faye? A good week, Ray. The weather's been lovely. It has been The ideal. garden is looking pretty schmick. Yeah. Done a bit of work. Yeah. Pruned all yeah. the roses. Six weeks to Christmas it was. Yes, good idea. So that's done. Yes, yes, yes. So now, is, it, is it six weeks now to it Christmas? It was. It was. <laughs> it was a week it ago, was so it. it's probably less than five now. But, yes, mm. give the rose beds a bit of a spruce up. And yeah. um, even if you haven't done it and they need doing, do it now. Zhuzh up the soil. Think yeah. about what you can put in there for summer mm. and for mm. me I'm looking for something that's pretty tough I want to look at the garden and and don't want to be thinking oh you poor limp things you need yeah. some water well, I want something can be a bit like that can't they yeah. sometimes they so need their I water. just want something that's going to power through mm. going to love the sun it's going to say bring it on throw it at me so doesn't have you care found what that is <laughs> well <laughs> Do share. you know I tell you what some of the succulents look so pretty yeah. And if they don't get water, they don't care. Some of them actually look like roses. So I reckon they might be good on the outer border. Yeah. I also want something that's a little bit big, bigger so that when the gum leaves drop, they're hidden. They're mm. not just piling mm. up on, on the top. top. Yeah. So yeah, because that, that really makes it look awful. Yeah, so really messy and untidy. Something about 20 to 30 centimetres high. Yeah. If it has a flower, that's lovely, mm. but foliage colour and, and tough. Mm. <laughs> and I'm looking to fill the gaps, but I tell mm. you what, some of the parts of my garden are looking fantastic. The front lawn looks really good, and I've added some scavolas and kangaroo paws and plants that have been there for a long time and now getting more shape, and, gee, it's looking like it's happy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's that's. that's and the fruit trees, right? Oh my goodness, I am getting bumper crops on my fruit trees. Timing's everything, guys. Um, mm. But this year, that the apricots looked amazing. Berries that I thought had almost died out are giving me raspberries. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's a picker's, a forager's garden. Oh, goodness me, mm. yeah, wonderful. But you've done a lot of work this year, and I think that sometimes 
the culmination of that, you're obviously reaping those rewards. It's not always instant gardening. Well, You've got to... I filled a lot of gaps, I think, and mm. did a lot of tidying up for the wedding this time last year. It was this day last year, the was 18th really? of November. We had the coldest day in 20 years. As luck would have it. Yes, yes. we had rain, so it was cold. Yeah. I think we almost had thunder and lightning. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yes, the... 12 months on, you know, the garden settles in, you've you've mm. got the canopy, you've got the vistas mm. and lots of spots to meander. And the bees, my bug hotels are just so... Um, they're full? They're, well... You need more accommodation? You always need more accommodation, <laughs> but I just love them. I've had the red-eyed resin bee nesting yeah. and she comes back all the time. Great photo opportunity there, but mm. lots of bugs and new bugs in the garden. Eddie found a new spider for us this week. He was cleaning out the skimmer box in the pool and he said, Faye, have you seen this spider? I said, no. He said it, it goes under the water and it's covered in bubbles and it's number 923 on my list and it is a fishing spider. So what does he do? He goes underwater. It does, yes. Oh. And the skimmer box sort of collects insects that have come into the pool to drown and so here's this fishing spider hanging out in the skimmer box just going yum yum okay. dinner time yeah because it's predicted that there's um, many many spiders in australia that are still unidentified well just look many. at the Thousands. the uh, peacock jumping spiders that yeah. are still being discovered and they mm. are because photographers are finding out about them they're challenging themselves to go out and get photos. And, of course, they're like the size of a pinhead. Yeah. They're that small. Mm. But the, the brilliant, bright colours that you actually don't always see unless you're looking close and have got the right light. Mm. So, you know, that sort of brought them to to attention. And, of course, when you're down on the ground finding these little things, you very often see lots of other things as well. And... One of our listeners this week has sent us in a photo talking about bugs, uh, but noticed this insect and it reminded me of, as kids on the farm, a shilling bug. And this is from Pamela and it is a pie dish beetle. Now, it's it looks like a, a black hat, like a bowler hat, yeah, but just not so tall. And there's also such a thing as a hairy pie dish beetle. So... I've found a few of those in the pool over the years too. Yeah. So, yeah, there's lots of different interesting and exciting bugs out there. All right. Well, we'll talk about what we've got coming up on the show as well. Uh, today, let's talk gardening. No, that's not going to work at all, okay? I will come back to you with the correct sponsor once I find it. It should be updated in the file. However, it is not. So I was about to read out something that shouldn't actually be sitting there. So... We will move on to 20 past eight. We're chatting with Ellen Walker, Earthwhile Australia. Now, there's a Byford Community Garden Open Day happening today. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Um, it's at Byford and Ellen will be joining us because we got an email this week from Sandy and she said that she uses lots of good, lots of good mulch and compost and her compost is not as healthy as she'd like. It doesn't really appear alive as I would wish. And it's not possible for me to aerate her. I wonder if this is a problem. So first thing I thought of was Alan and her microscopes and finding all the little critters in compost yeah. and, and addressing that because it is a subject that we all love. And, you know, I, I've actually had great joy this week moving some of my compost. So I had this big bin 
all the waste goes in, the stuff from the gutters, the weeds, etc. It's left to break down. I've thrown in bags of blood and bone mm. and clay and mixed it all up. Mm. And now I'm actually putting that back on the garden, so yeah, around the roses. Mm. And it's so rewarding because yeah. what was otherwise a waste mm. is now something that's value-added. But I've put that under m- the microscope and I haven't seen anything alive in there either. Oh, so really? I'm, I'm keen. To find out mm. more. Okay. And our special guest in the studio this morning is Nellie Tarchuk from West Coast Frangipanis. It is Frangie time. So, yeah, get your questions to us because we will be talking all things Frangipanis uh, coming from about 20 to 9. Now, today's program, Here I Go, is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. I've found it. Very good. Oh, yes, it's always interesting in here. All right, now, what else have we got coming up? We've got our two competitions coming up, uh, one $75 gift vouchers from both Green Life Soil Co. and Bigger Trees. We've got those to play with. And there's, I know it's not an open garden on this weekend. Yeah, we're going to go down and have a look at um, the garden. In Bouvard. In Bouvard, yeah. So So last weekend we spoke to Murray about it and it's a large garden. Yeah. And he's got over 100 westringias that he clips. It takes Mm. him a day to mow the lawn. Mm. He uses up one edge of blade every time he edges all the lawns. Um, Yeah, you were saying how he goes to the gym to get his fitness up so that he can do his (laughs) garden. It's a sport, yeah. It is a sport. Yeah, very much so, like of Olympic standard. (laughs) And I was asked by Lucy if it's suitable for... Uh, walkers Mm. and there are a lot of lawns there are steps but the I did find out from Joy of Open Gardens that it is wheelchair and pram friendly so just just be mindful that the paths are grass but access should be good. There are steps, but I think that was up to a deck. I'm I sure there'll be is the plenty last to see. Open garden of the year. It is. Uh, yeah, yes. Okay. Well, isn't it the silly season? Mm. Gosh, things yeah, events are popping up. So mm. you've just got to keep your wits about you. I'm not taking any more bookings. Mm. I'm um yeah, yeah I'm, enough already. Yeah, I've got yeah. to have a little wiggle room in there. You absolutely do. You absolutely do. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Yes. Now there's also on today. Uh, the Serpentine Jaredale Men's Shed, they're holding a huge garage sale. Uh, tools, slabs, tables, chairs, everything must go. It's located at 66 Baskerville Road in Mundajong. So that's the Serpentine Jaredale Men's Shed holding a huge garage sale on today. Everything must go. 66 Baskerville Road in Mundajong. Good luck with that, boys. Mm-hmm. So, Ray, we have had a few emails come in and this one touched my heart. So thank you to Sharon. And I've just got to say, Faye's got her hand on her heart when she's when she's talking. So she's, you know, I, I, I'm I feeling get the it. visions. You are feeling it. Yes. Yeah. Well, hi all. Dr. Doug Tellamy is, a, is fantastic and has created the native plant channel for the USA situation. He's working to increase biodiversity through ecological landscaping worth watching he's encouraging an appreciation of insects and love of insects we need something equivalent for western australia thank you sharon i looked at this and Mm. it is just it is heartwarming and you know i totally agree because sitting in this chair 
often we get asked questions like, oh, what is this pest and how can I treat it? Which is what everybody was used to. And mm, I mm-hmm. started questioning some years ago, why is that? And and I felt like the answer to everything, whether it be in the newspaper or on TV, was a product, mm. a product that harmed things. And then when I started... Including us, actually. Mm, but I started becoming more interested in the relationship of insects. And I was doing this back to 2007 when I was doing aquaponics because you can't use products in a system that's going to harm the fish. And why would we want to? So then I started understanding uh, after an infestation of aphids, but the ladybirds came in and the lacewings and little flower spiders. And then I started, you know, it just got on a roll. It just Mm. snowballed. Mm. Everything has a, a predator, a pollinator, a parasite, you name it. And through photography, we can bring and share all that information through Facebook groups. We share a lot of that information. Yeah. So there's an insect page there if anyone's interested. Insects of Perth and southwest Western Australia. Native bees of Western Australia is becoming far more active. And the photos of bees that people are sharing and the mm. different varieties. There was a photo this week of a cluster of bees in Geraldton on an olive branch. Now, these bees are less than a centimetre in size Mm. and they have reddish-brown colourings with yellow markings. Just just gorgeous, you know, Mm. but to share that information and see what others are finding, that is specific to Western Australia, Mm. once again warms my heart. All right, we're in tapping. Sharon, good morning. Thanks for waiting. Good morning. Um, I've got a question about I'm planning to plant trees on my verge. And uh, is there an app out there that, or anything that you know of, can work out, okay, well, if the tree's going to be four metres, how much shade it's going to cast at different times of year uh, based on your I, location? I think there is. I think I've seen something, or it might have been a program for designing gardens that it shows... It depends on the tree, wouldn't it, as to the canopy that it would be ultimately created mm. to the shade that it's going to, to provide Yeah. You? But yeah. yes, it's it's interactive. But I think there might be a garden design program that can forecast okay. shadows based on wouldn't be the plant type so much. Mm. It would be the height and canopy because and it's shape. a verge tree, Sharon. Do you have to go through your council, or can you just plant out a tree for yourself? Well, I'm hoping that I can plant just one because I don't I'm in one of those blocks that have the neighbours is right up above me and I get no sun in half my garden for about four months of the year yeah so the only part of sun that I get is on my west which you don't want the sun in in um summer no that's you right. want it in winter so um they did allow me to plant one a few years ago and I mothered it but someone cut, started every Friday night started snapping it and after about three years of watering this thing, it died. So I'm going to try again. But I was just, I was just thinking. Again, I came out one Saturday morning, and it was at ground level. Oh. Um, so I'm trying desperately to get some more trees in, but mm. I also want, I need, I need that bit of sunshine in in the winter. Otherwise, I get none. And I've had to go to all shade plants and put up shade cells. 
on my north, which is like this massive wall. Um, but And that's okay. And I can take the shade cells down in winter and I've got ferns and they love it. And I've gotten patients year-round and everything. I'm the lady that grows the cyclamens in, in, in summer because they have all that yes. shade. They seem to survive. But I'm trying to grow a few flowers and roses on the west and in, like get the bees and the pollinators. So if I put up a big tree, which I need... I don't want it to, like, completely block my sun. So I was hoping, you know, if I could work out, okay, if it's going to go to about four metres, um, how much shade am I going to get and when am I going to get that shade? And so, some um, of the trees are very open as well, so they will filter the light. They, it, You can get dappled light. Not all trees yes. are, are thick. The other thing you could do is contact your council because I know, like, Coburn, they do offer verge street trees and they have a very big list including deciduous right. trees and they will yeah. possibly even do it for you yeah they, oh they did last time and they offered mm. to do it again but i thought well they'd only just opened a pub up out the road, down the road i think there was some drunk guys every friday night and every week for three weeks it got shorter and shorter and then they snapped it off completely which is really heartbreaking because i'd been watering it for two years mm. Yeah, so and we sort of set back again. I've got a massive snow pear at our oh. driveway, which is beautiful, yeah. and they gave me another one, but yeah, it didn't make it. So I'm thinking, oh, like maybe I can put some barrier around it to try and protect protect it. So, but yeah, well, thanks, thanks for your uh, advice. I'm just, I'm just thinking, I, I want the shade, but I don't want to shade my whole garden forever because then I won't be able to grow anything. No. No, we'll certainly focus on deciduous trees. Plenty out there. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay, well, thanks very much. Okay. Good thanks, luck, Sharon. Sharon. Sounds Bye. like you need it, love. Okay. Now, we will have a short break. When we return, Keith and Jane, we shall be chatting with you. 100.1 And you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. Now, Roberta called in. This is not garden-related, but in in ways it, it, it is. is. Um Roberta has two tickets today to see the Monet exhibition, Monet in Paris exhibition uh, for 12 o'clock today to give away. They're free. However, you would have to collect the tickets in Thornley. If you'd like these two tickets to see Monet in Paris, give us a call, 94841927, and we will connect you with Roberta. So two free tickets for Monet in Paris exhibition. I can't get it out, Faye. Help me. Exhibition. Thank you happening today at 12 o'clock. I would go myself if we weren't heading down to Bouvard, but we're going down to see the beautiful garden that's open this weekend. Uh, yeah, it sounds wonderful. So give us a call and we will connect you to Roberta. You would have to collect the tickets, however, this morning in Thornley. Okay, now we're going out. We have... We'll go to Ellen first because I know she's busy. Right. And we'll keep it quick. Okay. We're chatting with Ellen Walker from Earthwild Australia. Hi, Ellen. How are you going? Terrific. Thanks, Ray and Faye. How are you this morning? Very good. good. Thank you for joining us. I know you're busy at the Byford Open Garden. Yes, as part of Urban Agriculture Month, the Byford Glades Community Garden is has an open day. So we're down there and we're going to be giving a talk, but the garden's open. There's all sorts of things happening. And so, yeah, should be a great morning. So come on down if you're around. Well, I know it is a great garden and you've got lots of great people out there, very qualified and knowledgeable. We're not going to keep you long today, but the reason we've got you is because Sandy has sent us an email and she's got a question about why her 
compost is not as alive and healthy as what she would hope for. And she says it's Mm -hmm. not possible for her to aerate it. Is that a problem? And the front garden is lovely, but I get few flowers, especially from my Lyriote borders. So is compost something that you would expect to to encourage flowering plants? Um, certainly, if, when you're making a compost, if you're adding, because the nutrients that are added to the compost will become available to the plants you buy the microbes and so on. And so uh, when you're making your, your compost, having that diversity of materials that you're putting into it, particularly some from what might have been flowering plants, but also adding perhaps things like a bit of wood ash from the fire. I know it's getting into the warmer time, but things like that will also provide some of the nutrients that you might need to help with flowering. Okay. So, and I guess uh, bananas contain potash, don't they, or potassium. So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. just having that variety. That's right. And so aside from the compost, you could actually put your banana skins in a in a, 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 a large jar or something and top it up with water and just allow that to basically ferment almost yeah. and use that yeah. as a, a thing there. But as far as the um, compost goes, Faye, the, uh, I'm not quite sure what Sandy means when she says it's not overly alive. It probably is under the surface. Uh, so if she's unable to aerate, because obviously we need some air for things to be happening, and so if she's unable to air it, uh, aerate it, maybe actually for her to look at making an, a static, what they call a static pile compost, where it's one where you don't turn. And so you could Google that, but people like um, Jerry Gillespie have some instructions for that. If anybody is familiar with Robin Brown of Waste is My Resource, Robin does a lot of work around the composting and static pile composts. So there's a a number of ways, but also um, I can't imagine why she perhaps can't get in with even a little fork and just instead of actually turning it, just being able to put holes in it. And if there's worms, the worms can probably, adding some earthworms, well, I know I got a tip from Costa and that was a compost yes. key. And yes. it's, it's the simplest thing to use. And I've, yes. I just every now and then go to the compost, add a bit more, poke, turn this mm. compost <laughs> key in and pull this rich yeah. stuff to the top. It's, oh, it's lovely. And I guess um, maybe her, her mix is too dry or too wet. Yes. Perhaps more more likely to be too wet because if it's too dry, you might find some you know, little cockroaches and things like that in there. Uh, so the compost key is certainly a fantastic tool. So if she's got can access the compost with that, that would certainly be a really good one. Um, the, the general rule for compost is to to take a handful and squeeze it. If you squeeze it and a drop of water comes out, that's just right. If you squeeze it and nothing comes out, you need to add more water. And if you squeeze it and lots of water comes out, then that's too too wet and you need to add more carbon, whether that be shredded paper or cardboard or wood chips, things like that. Mm. Oh, very so good. That well, should... that's given us lots more to think about, Ellen, in a very simple way. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I hope it goes well for you, Sandy, and the rest of the crew. Thank oh, you. Good on you. And have a great day, Ellen. And uh, um, if we don't speak to you between now and Christmas, have a good one. And thank you. Thank you for sharing with us. Thanks, Alan. Bye. Bye. All right, let's go straight out to the lines. Very patient listeners. Shelley, good morning. 
Thank you. I mean, I'm Keith I don't, from Shelley. I what? There's something wrong with me. I can't speak today, <laughs> so everyone just yeah, ignore me. Good Keith. morning, Keith. Oh, good morning. How can we help you today? Well, it's a problem I've had since I, well, basically I've been in the property now for five years, and it concerns my lawn. It was scruffy when I moved in, and obviously I've um, done a lot of work on it over the years, and this time of the year, normally it's okay, but round about Christmas time, it starts to go yellow. Okay. All right. Yeah, I have spoken to uh, several people as regards to the thatch. Now, I do give it two or three or four times, um, usually around about the beginning of October, get the thatch out and uh, start to cut it. And it seems to be okay. And then round about Christmas time, it starts to go yellow. So um, are you mowing your own lawn? Yeah. And do you have a cylinder mower or rotary? No, uh, it's a rotary mower. Okay. okay. Uh, it's electric because a uh, petrol mower is too heavy for me to manage. But I do all the right things. Um, I aerate it two or three times a year. I've got a big roller that's got spikes on it. Wow. I rake it and um, I use weather soil on it usually once every six months to keep the moisture in it. And I use um, a, a lawn fertiliser as well, usually about every six weeks. Okay. And up, up until usually the beginning of December, it's beautiful and green. Now, I can send pictures uh, to you of what it was like. Um, I think we ran about the 12th of October this year and what it looks like now. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, from what you've said, uh, I think using a wedding agent only a couple of times is not enough. Actually, when we had Dr. Daryl Hardy in here recently, mm -hmm. he talked about how the production of wedding agents had actually gone backwards and they don't last as long. Mm. So I think we need, if you're using a wedding agent, then you could use it more often. I think also maybe consider changing your fertiliser, mixing it up a bit. And I know that there is a product on the market that is a fertiliser and a wetting agent in one. And this week um, we mowed my lawns again. I have a professional who comes in uh, monthly or six-weekly and then I mow in between. But he does all the edges and mows it with a cylinder mower. So I get a Schmidt-looking lawn um, on an irregular basis and manage it in between. So he's just applied the fertiliser and wetting agent in one. That got a good soak in yesterday and I expect that's going to take me through to Christmas. But what I had found was it was <coughs> lagging in between. You know, if I if he didn't lightly fertilise with wetting agent on a regular basis, the lawn would go backwards. So I've, I've encouraged him every five or six weeks to add a light 
fertiliser with wetting agent and that keeps it going well. Um, and you can let your lawn go a little bit longer in summer because mm. it might be the change of temperature that's uh, happening towards Christmas. We get those really hot days. So I reckon the fact you've aerated is really good. Um, the wetting agent probably do more often and maybe alternate your your fertiliser and maybe mow it a little bit higher. I don't I don't cut, cut it too low. Yeah. Um, and normally the even during the summer, I suppose the length is between one and a half and two inches. Okay. So I don't cut it low because obviously the hot weather burns the roots. Mm. But the uh, fertiliser that I, I use has got a wetting agent in it. Mm, okay. So, you know, I use it every six weeks as recommended on the package. Okay, all right. Now, so, obviously, I'm not allowed to uh, uh, mention the brand name because of advertising, but the uh, wedding agent I use is a professional one, which it recommends what, uh, every nine to 12 months, but I use it every six months. Six months or six weeks? Six months. Yeah, so six... I don't think that's enough. So I don't think the wedding agents are lasting as long as they originally were. And that's why I would recommend little and often. So fertiliser and wedding agent on my front lawn to keep it looking good about six weekly, but a light dose. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I haven't got... Well, I've got retic. Uh, it's never worked since I moved into the property. Because the problem being, it's rented property. So uh, I have mentioned it to the agents, or the agents have mentioned it several times, but um, they don't seem to be able to uh, get it working again, but I, I don't mind getting out with a decent hose. Doing it by hand. Uh, mm-hmm. By hand, and I really do soak it. Yeah. Obviously, with the, uh, the wedding agent and the uh, fertiliser I use together. Okay. Well, Keith, I recommend you go out and do that this week. And I think yeah, you'll okay. find that by Christmas, you will have a green lawn. It won't be yellow. I think it's about food and nutrition. Yeah, I've done that this morning, actually. Oh, good. All right. Now we'll just have to sit though. back and wait. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> But normally once, um, oh, sorry, <laughs> usually around about um, end of February, beginning of March, it starts to uh, become really nice and green again, nice and thick. Because I, during the winter time, yeah. I use hose um, on weed and feed. Well, I think I, I think it's about the seasonality, yeah, the temperatures, and maybe the cool. You know, if we start to get some cool nights, that's when you, your lawn probably starts to breathe a sigh of relief or maybe we get some rains there. But we have to move, move on, on for now, now Keith. Keith. So I hope, okay. I hope I've given you enough information and anyone else who's in the same boat. Certainly have. Thanks very much. For Thank that. you, Keith. Take care. Have a good weekend. Bye. 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 All right, now we are in Manning. Jane, good morning. Good morning, morning. Jane. Uh, good morning. I, I'm ringing up about a, a grape, a, a, a 
a seedless grape, um, what would be a good one and where to plant it and can you put it in a pot and... Uh, Oh, grapevines probably are going to do better in the ground. Uh, they yeah. can be quite um, quite big. They need a bit of space. They need a trellis to grow on. They will grow in absolutely full sun. I guess full sun. you could put it in a pot, but also consider that what will happen is the roots would go down into the ground. So make sure, you know, if you didn't want that to happen but I really think they need to go in the ground because they're going to be large and, and vigorous vines um, Yes, it's just that I haven't really got, it's only a small place and I haven't got much um, uh, full sun, I've, I've got an area on the other side but it's all shaded in the afternoon, would, would that matter? Yes, that would matter um, It would matter The thing is, have you got a, a some sort of pergola? No, no, I, no. All right. They do grow quite tall. They do need pruning every year. What I, I hope you'd be looking for would be a grapevine that's perhaps resistant to powdery mildew if there is such a thing. Um, maybe I'll get John to do a bit of research and see if he can come up with a variety that is resistant mm. to powdery mildew because it is a problem that a lot of people suffer. But they do need mm. full sun. Mm. They do need to be cut back each year. I guess you could grow in a very large pot in sun and as long mm -hmm. as it could get up to, to the sun to probably get six to eight hours of sunlight, that At would least. be the best, mm -hmm. certainly during the growing time, which is October onwards. Beg your pardon? October onwards when it's um, putting on its leaves, it's setting its fruit and then you've got to keep the water up to it as well. And um, when would you plant it then? What would be the... Well, the if you time? bought one that's already established, you could certainly put it into a bigger pot now. Um, I don't know yes. what might be available in in the way of you might be able to get an advanced one. And with careful yes. management, you may be able to keep it producing in a pot. And what do you do about fruit fly? I don't think they're susceptible to fruit fly. Oh, don't you? Oh, that's interesting. Do um, you have a fruit else? fly problem there? No, I, I don't. Well, I've got a fig tree that would draw a fruit fly. Mm, it's funny because I, I don't actually, I don't think we've had a fruit fly problem on our figs or on our grapes, mm. but they will come oh, yeah. in for the locusts and apricots. Oh, well, uh, mm. and uh, the other thing I was going to ask, what was this thing about the photos of insects you were talking about? Well, there is a, well, it's on YouTube, and it is Doug Tellamy, D-O-U-G-T-A-L-L-A-M-Y. Doug, how do you spell his surname? Tellamy, T-A-L-L-A-M-Y. And... A if you um, if you type that in, it's about the future of conservation. Oh, that sounds interesting. And that was T A L A M Y double L. Jane, we have to double move L. on. Sorry. All thank right, you for your break. call. Thank you for your help. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you, Jane. Bye bye. Cheers for bye. That.
Okay, and coming up after this, we will be joined by Kelly. Nelly, I'm in a bad way today. Nelly Tarchuk. What is wrong with me? I oh, know, get me off. <laughs> the music you remember. Curtain Radio. And you are tuned to Let's Talk Gardening on 100.1 FM. You're with Rain Faye and our special guest in the studio, Nellie Tarchuk. Good morning. Good morning. Lovely to have you on again. Thank you for inviting. Okay, you always look... She looks as gorgeous as she sounds, oh listeners, always. Yes. And <laughs> Nellie's from West Coast Frangipanis. Now, that's a Facebook page, and you also have your own little business? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Frangies are flowering. Only starting to, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. It's a bit slow at the minute, but they're kicking in. Yeah. How long can we expect them to flower for? Do, do they repeat flower? They do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And well, it depends on the cultivar, depends on the weather, depends yeah. on the heat, all depends factors. on yeah, all these environmental factors. So, well, we don't know. But normally, the peak of the season would be from December to March. Yeah. 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 I have a I have a frangie, gorgeous uh, young frangie, and doesn't normally flower till about January. Started flowering, but hardly any leaves on it. But these huge inflows, and it's just pushing out flowers. But it's, it hasn't leafed up hardly. Was it a recent cutting, or it's a well-established tree? Well, it's it's young, but it's well-established. You know, it's been in the ground now for three years. It happens quite often because, from what I know, they develop and they set their inflows the year before. Mm. So that's why it's quite common that first you will get your inflows and then, then only leaves coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's back to front. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm curious about it. So yeah. if we're setting up our flowers for next year, what should we be doing yeah. now? Yeah. Uh, not really now. Probably like a month ago, you really had to fertilize them with a slow-release fertilizer. You still can do it now, but kind of now. Because right, when now. <laughs> right today, now, today. yeah, because yeah. it's going to be too late. Because as you know, slow release, they will be releasing their nutrients within next three or six months, and you don't really want to feed them close to the dormancy, close to the winter, because otherwise they will be sending new young shoots mm. that will struggle with our rain and cold weather in the winter. So they mm. will be rotting, tips will be rotting. Mm. So you only want to feed them for the right amount of time for their active time, you know, mm. for their active growth mm. period mm. so liquid fertilizer give them a quick boost you can but i'm not a big fan of this to, to be honest but some i know some people enjoy mm. you know they feel that they really like doing something for them you know <laughs> like even if they don't need to but they feel like yeah. if they do this like regular two three weeks yeah. liquid feed they're going to be better they're going to flower mm. better and they like to be around them doing mm. something for them oh yeah. yeah yeah i think you know but to me I don't have that much time for this. And it I is, yeah, yeah, and it I is really, about time, Because isn't I've got it? so many of them and I really cannot do liquid feed every two weeks or so. But this is what you have to do if you decide to do your liquid feeding mm. because it's a quick boost, but then it leaches away the same quickly. But when you do your slow release once, mm. it will last and it will be slowly feeding and breaking down within the next three to six months, which works mm. for me really yeah. well. Mm. Another thing that I like to do, maybe like in the middle of the season, if some of my frangipanis are still being stubborn and not flowering, I'm trying to give them a little boost of potash. Potash, yes. Yeah, so yeah. That, that you can do in the liquid form. That mm. will be a quick boost. Or you can do your like powder mm-hmm. in, in the powder form and you mix it with water and you've give them a little boost of potash mm. this is something you can do mid-season but mm. again probably just once mm. because otherwise there's, there's not much sense you know their flowering season is short yeah unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah. okay 
All right. Well, we certainly encourage questions on all gardening questions and definitely frangipani questions while we have an expert in the studio with us. And I know we've also got some emails to crack through. We do. I'll do, I'll do a couple just quickly. Now, Thank Sandy you. also had a question. Uh, she'd asked about the compost, but she has some um, Agonis Nana as hedges and there's some gaps there. And she asks, how can she get them to fill out well these plants are one that if you cut back to absolutely no leaves they will come back again from brown stems and i've seen very old plants cut back very hard so there are you know if she wanted to do that um they they can be cut back hard to encourage flowering no not flowering but but bushiness and that's the thing with a lot of plants if you want them to grow you prune them and they grow back More. well. Most mm. things you wouldn't cut back into the hardwood, though. Mm. Yeah, like lavender. <laughs> lavender yeah. don't. Yeah. No, they <laughs> respond very well to that. Yeah, and they, they certainly are a plant that you need to prune little and often yeah, to exactly. keep them growing nicely. Mm. It's no good getting to a, a six-foot lavender plant and then going, oh, these are too untidy. Yeah, you now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's too late. You're better off to take cuttings and almost start again. Yeah. And Linda has sent in a gorgeous photo of um, – it's a happy plant and it's flowering and the, oh, wow. there's beautiful – Pink flowering blossoms uh, on it. Yes. Or also called Thai tree, T-I, or it's one of the Dracaenas, Dracaena mm. fragrance, I think. Mm. Beautiful. Um, but they're great plants and they grow so easily from cuttings. They'll grow very tall. If you cut them, they will sometimes bush out into to two. Uh, you can take pieces of the stems and cut and propagate all the middles. The bottom will grow sh- roots and the yeah, top will yeah, put out shoots and lovely clumped. In fact, this week I took a photo of one. There's different types. One will have a green centre down the leaf and another one will have a yellow centre down the centre of the leaf and green on the sides. So, mm. yeah, take a close look when you're out in the and garden. And a very strong perfume from the flower too. Oh, is that? Yeah, very they yeah, don't flower that so. that often, no, I don't exactly. think. Exactly, it doesn't happen often. No, mm. a bit like the really jade plant yep. or yep. the aspidistra. They yeah, do flower, mm. but often the flowers are quite insignificant, yeah, so you don't not. see them. Mm. 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 Okay, I think after the break, I shall give away one of our $75 gift vouchers. Stay tuned for that. Curtain Radio. And you're with Ray and Faye. Listening to Let's Talk Gardening, our special guest in the studio, Nellie Tarchop, West Coast Frangipani. She's our frangy specialist, and now's your time to ask the questions. Absolutely. Now, I did say I'd give away a $75 gift voucher, and so I will. So it's time to go shopping at Green Life Soil Co. They're situated up there in Middle Swan, and they're not just another soil yard. Delivering a greener garden is their motto. And they currently have in stock a great range of organically grown veggies and herbs, medicinal plants, bush tucker and flower seedlings, including some of those harder to find ones. You can check out the Green Life Soil Co. monthly newsletter because it has heaps of timely information. It is free. Just register online to become a member by going to greenlifesoil.com.au 
And whilst you're there, have a good read through of the website too because there is some really good information on it. I do recommend you have a browse. Uh, they have a good Facebook page that you can have a look at as well. Uh, check that for updates. Uh, they're open, Green Life Soil open Mondays to Saturdays. So for your chance to win a $75 voucher to spend at Green Life Soil, you must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. True or false? Here's John's question for you. True or false? The mole cricket is a close relative of the sand groper. True or false? The mole cricket is a close relative of the sand groper. 94841927. It's an interesting one, isn't it? And, you know, how many times does it come up on a Facebook page mm, that, that a, people a photo think, of a mole cricket and appears? And people think it's a sand groper. I know. Mm. It's like, oh, my goodness. If only you knew. But mm. we, we hardly see sand gropers now. You know, growing up in North Beach digging in the garden, they would occasionally appear and it would be quite a treat. Funny looking things they are, but rarely... So mole crickets, horrid creatures. Uh, with their flappers at the front for digging. Well, they're crustacean-like, aren't they? They are. They look like a lobster. Yeah. Mm, with yeah. platypus feet. An ugly one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they can bite. Mm. They're attracted to light. So I was cooking a barbecue one night and a mole cricket came in and flew onto my clothes. So I picked it up got bitten is mm. that right did mm. it hurt oh just a nip yeah it mm. was a nip <laughs> mm. Mm. okay mm. all right we'll be going to the news at nine o'clock uh i think you could probably do you want to cover yes. a couple of more emails because we got a bit behind last week didn't we no we caught up last oh, week did we? yeah we okay. were behind the week before Anyway, this is from Marika and she's just sent it in. Hi ladies, love the show. Always try to listen each Saturday. Can you please give me advice on how to promote growth and flower for my gardenia? Buds come out but dies off before it could bloom. So there you go, Nellie. How would you like to give your thoughts on that? Probably I would start with the soil first because knowing that they're acidic lovers, I probably would check soil pH first to see if they're happy with their environment, you yeah. know, because if soil is not acidic enough, if it's too alkaline or maybe neutral may be fine, but you need to see what's going on with your soil first. I would say they might be not happy where they are. They might be not happy with them soil pH. So you really need to check that first. And other thing, if it's neutral or slightly acidic, which is great then probably I would suggest you to feed it with the right fertilizer and apply some wetting agent every now and then to make sure that that fertilizer is getting absorbed right in your sandy soil if you're on the sandy soil or if it's again very much depends on the soil if it's clay if it's sandy soil what what's pH is like so I would start there and after you realize what kind of soil you've got then you will see what's next probably the right mm. feed would be next very what, good. Is it in a pot or in the ground? It, it doesn't, doesn't say. say. And of course, the other thing is to to prune after flowering, uh, which or or on a regular basis, because more pruning will encourage more growth as more well. Growth so you get a bushier flowers. plant. Mm. Yep. Well, the flowers generally don't last a very long. Yeah, anyway, they do don't. They? Same mm. as magnolias. They're so yeah. beautiful, but and they don't they, last. Yeah. Long. Yeah. What a shame. It is a, it is a shame. Now we do have a winner for the gift voucher from Green Life Soil Co. Patchery from East Perth. Good on you. That voucher will make its way to you this week, Patchery. Now the question was true or false? The mole cricket is a close relative of the sand groper. 
The answer is false. The sand groper is related to grasshoppers, not crickets. Okay, so thank you, John. And thank you, Patchery. And that was from Green Life Soil Co. Situated our good buddies up there in Middle Swan. Do great work in the gardening community. I bet they're busy leading up to Christmas. And also leading up to the 3rd of December. You know, we've got that great day coming up at the Kalamunda Garden Festival coming up. That's very soon. You'll be there. Yes. Yeah, so that's only a couple of weeks away. And lots of people are flying in from the east. Yeah. There's Jane Edmondson. And and we're chatting with her. Mm -hmm. And Josh Byrne will be there. And, of course, all the regulars. So... It's just such Very a great exciting. a great event. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully the weather will kick in this time. I'm sure they'll have much better weather. <laughs> They've had their fair share of ups and downs with the weather. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, we will be going to the news in about a minute. If you want to squeeze something else I'll, in, Faye, I'll that would just be great. Do another wrap on Thank the you. garden in Bouvard, which we are heading off to after the show this morning. It is at fifteen Waterview Bouvard. Water View is the name of the street, mm-hmm. Water View. Uh, it's on today and tomorrow and it is a large garden, one and a half acres landscaped mm. with lawns, manicured gardens, westringias, over a hundred, like mass plantings of lavender, limonium, blue echium. So can you just... I have a picture of Yes. Yep. <laughs> it's... It's almost like a tapestry, isn't it? So mm. oh, I, I just can't wait gorgeous. to see it. So yeah. if you want to have a um, a tough garden with challenges uh, like Murray has had here with water problems and, of course, soil that just doesn't hold a lot of moisture and nutrients, go and check out this garden and, and see what you can achieve yeah, uh, a, with a, plant selection. A magnificent example. Okay, everyone, it is 9am. Sunny today with a maximum of 31. Right now, 23.9 degrees and humidity is sitting at 42%. Overnight, you can expect the minimum to be quite warm, 17, and the maximum tomorrow of 31, obviously sunny. And on Monday, it's going to be sunny and a maximum of 33. And I can see for the rest of the week, we are climbing up a little bit uh, with a potential forecast on Wednesday of 37. Okay, and we did have a little bit of rain. I, we had, didn't we? Just enough <laughs> yeah. to dirty the car. It's funny, wasn't yeah. it? 3.4 <laughs> mils uh, earlier in the week. It was funny. I was at the green store and I was trying to do a few things and the only time it pelted down with rain was when I was out there trying to grab a few things and, not, yeah, you wouldn't re- you couldn't make this stuff up. But there you go. It's all good. We'll take anything, even a spit. Well, the the plants love it, don't they? Because they, it a washes kiss. the dust off their a leaves. Well, or sits there, but they they mm. take that moisture in through mm. their leaves yeah. as well as their roots. And a lot of plants do. The mm. jungle cactus, hoyas, um, a lot of plants are epiphytic. Mm. And a lot of people had a lot more rain than that too. That's just a our, our metro gauge. Mm. I think a lot of people up in the hills got a lot more. Okay, you've got emails. Oh, we are being flooded with emails. Thank you. Uh, Big thanks to Jeannie who sent in a photo of her flowering happy plant, and it Mm. is happy. Her her flowers look almost um, purplish in colour, and she's got the dracaena that has got the yellow stripe down the middle and the green on the outer edges, and they look stunning. Mm. Now, they can look a bit ratty. 
So what I encourage people to do is pull away the dead leaves that are um, collected up the stem and maybe get the scissors and just trim off any dead bits. Tidy it up. That can tidy them up and make your garden look really schmick. Uh, Irene has sent us in an email and asked for urgent help for a box elder tree. It's more than 20 years old in the middle of her backyard and shades the entire garden in summer. The tree is infested with small black ants and the ants are usually inside the tree itself. We can see holes in the bark and there's a pile of sawdust in the fork of the tree. A large branch in the middle of the tree is dry and almost dead. Now, this needs further inspection, Irene. Um, There's potentially problems around with the polyphagus polyphagus holborer. Yeah. Um, so go in and have a look where that tree branch is dying. If it is that borer, there will be pinprick holes and probably around shoulder height roughly and there will be piles of sawdust. So the ants are secondary. If you can't tell what's going on, you could send a photo through to my Pest Guide Reporter app. If they think this is the problem, they will send a team out and inspect all trees on your property. Hmm. But it could be something else as well. Um, there are other native borers that can get in, but it, it needs more investigation. So if you can't determine what it is by looking, yeah. then you need to yeah go to the Ag Department or an arborist. I would say definitely because this tree species is a big suspect for the borer. Well, there's, yeah. is there 300 tree species? Yeah, quite a few now. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, and list is growing and growing. So if yep. the box elder tree, so perhaps that's a good message to anyone else out yep. there to have a look at their, yep. their trees. Tree. Yep. Yeah, mm. yeah keep ants your eye. are secondary. So mm. um, they can be a sign of scale quite often. Yeah. But you need mm. to look at the the cause. All right, now it's a big we, problem, isn't it? Yeah, oh, unfortunately, sure yeah. is. Yes, and it's spreading, and everyone needs to be doing their bit. Yes, agreed. Um, Pamela of Morley has sent in her photos of a baby bunny magnolia that's struggling, and <laughs> Ray, Nellie, and I are all sitting here a bit uncomfortable, Pamela, because we know that if we were this tree on a 37 degree day coming up then we would actually be frying and that could be what's happening to this tree it's um it's mulched with small rocks it's next to paving and surrounded by fences on two sides so the reflective heat that that tree is under would be intense Intense. now i don't know how long it's been in there for but leaves dropping could indicate that it's not happy I would get rid of the rocks. I don't like rocks in that situation. Mm. I would rather um, a soft mulch that cools the area, not intensifies the heat. heat. Uh, Check the soil pH and what what else can we do now? Well, Um, we don't know how much water it's receiving, mm. how much feeding it's receiving. I would say it's definitely stressed. Stress. And it's going to be even more stressed with the coming weather. Situational stress. Yeah, so... Ideally, either or remove it from that position. That's what I would do. I think it's the wrong position for that tree. Yep, yep. Okay, I'll leave that one. Um, Shall I keep going? (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. It's like telethon. There, yeah. there are so many emails, which is fantastic. Someone's listening to us, Ray. Um, a lime tree, and this is from Paige. Two years in the ground, it isn't bushing out. What suggestions do you have? And it, it's, um, it's like one of those pillar rose apples, you know, the that just is a a straight stem with leaves off the side. First of all, it's deficient, nutrient deficient, I would say. So apparently, it's not very happy because it's lacking nutrients, and I don't know how much water and nutrients it gets and what, again, soil pH is like. But apparently I would feed it. And many times people don't feed it in the right way. They just give them general purpose fertilizer thinking that it's good enough. But many times you need to do soil drench or foliar application of magnesium and iron. And you need to repeat it quite a few times to make it happy. So regular fertilizers would not be enough in this case. So you really probably need to get liquid magnesium and iron and try to do several applications and drench it all around the tree and the soil around it as well. And again, if it's not doing any better and if you've done all this, you feed it, you apply wetting agents. So all your nutrients are actually getting to the roots and it's still not bushing up. So some light pruning will be a good idea, I would say. It is, it's grown very tall and yeah, it's spindly. very lanky I've, and yeah, yeah. I would have nipped the top off it yep, at yep. least once before now. Yeah, mm. maybe even start with that. But hot weather is coming; it's going to be stressed. I just Pro- yeah. nip the top and yep. just yeah, do everything else you've said as well, Nelly. And hopefully, it will go in the right direction and and put out some nice new growth. And branches. And we don't just do emails on this show. We do take live phone calls. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Like to chat. All right. Uh, email from Peggy. Uh, desert rose. I have a number of desert roses which I grow from seed. I grew from seed over eighteen months ago. Most of them are coming into bud or are already in bud. Do you have any is, in, interested listers listeners in buying a desert rose? Um, not I would sure be one. That, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Oh yeah. wow! Look at the photo. Yep, stunning. That is stunning. Mm. I grow them from seeds as well. Yeah, and did you know that they are the same family as French pennies? Yeah, yeah, they belong to yes. the same family. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and their seed is unusual, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, fluff, it's fluffy, fluffy, and fluffy looking thing. So how do you how do you how do you actually grow it from seed when you collect uh, the- exactly i propagate them exactly in the same way like frangipanis from seeds i just put them in a damp paper towel oh yeah yeah and until they again but making sure that it's not too wet it's slightly moist and then i like i keep it there for a week let's say and then i start planting them into a very light seed raising mix mixed with perlite mm-hmm. so and yep that's the way and making sure that there's a lot of humidity going on and it's there's really warmth from the bottom. Of so the how, how do you do that? 
make sure there's lots of humidity and it's warm from the bottom. Well, all sorts of things. Like <laughs> yes. I can imagine <laughs> any, anything you got handy. If mm. you don't have any proper greenhouse, yeah. so you just buy your small pop-up ones. Or sometimes I even use like this little plastic containers, like fruits containers, like strawberry containers. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah a, you can use that. Yeah, mm. I can use them. It just makes sure that you cover it with a bit of plastic, like mm -hmm. clear plastic, but it still can breathe mm -hmm. so that it creates extra moisture ar around them, you know, mm. so and heat mats is a good idea mm. in the winter time because I never stop propagating. So and now how many seeds. rooms of your house have been taken over by oh, plants? Oh, I hope my husband is not listening because <laughs> he doesn't know. Yeah, well, because it's forever growing. You know, yeah. I discover new spots and I keep invading new places and rooms. And mm. now in our patio, actually on the outdoor setting on the seats I snuck some some heat mats and there are some mm. seeds mm. germinating there yeah. so you're not having people over for a barbecue tonight <laughs> not tonight not tonight so yeah, no I know I, I need a notice in advance so I can like hide all my seed raising mixtures and my heat mats and my everything that's normally everywhere around the your, house unfortunately your laboratories all over the house yeah I know. All I'm, over ruin the I'm ruining my house mm, mm. with stuff going on I've I know I need rips. a bigger blog but I need to I have to work with what I've got so that's why I have like my little containers everywhere heat mats and f like strawberry containers with seeds and and cuttings growing and stuck everywhere and but it, it's important to know this because you when you're growing plants uh, like the desert rose they are a tropical plant so yeah. we're trying to make things happen here that when our plants especially aren't really... in the initial stage you know to get yeah, them going yeah, you know exactly. then they can adapt to our they conditions because it's still mm. quite warm here yeah of course it would be better to have some more heat and humidity but mm. it's out of our control but mm. at the stage of germination it's really important you know to create like maximum mm. humidity and light mm. it's not only humidity that's why it has to be clear plastic mm. so light still can get, can through. get through yeah yeah it's all very intricate isn't it yeah, it is. A lot of listeners will think we're speaking uh, double Dutch, but um, <laughs> well, yeah. I reckon there'll be a few listeners out there a little bit like us. Like currently, mm. I've got thirty different varieties of ripsalis on mm. the kitchen tables mm. and a bit on the chairs. How about your laundry? tables and draped mm. over the chairs? Yeah, because I took cuttings and I made a label for each one, mm. and then I'll do a bit of propagating because you know you just have to plan for the future. And um, normally yeah. my laundry is very busy. Too. <laughs> yeah, mine is too. Yeah, yeah, you should see what's on top of my washing machine. Yeah, mm, exactly. I know, I know. Yeah. it's terrible. It is. Yeah, and people walk the washing around. machine yeah. is it a front loader? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you've yeah, got I use good the space top on the top. That's he's... about a metre square of growing space. Well, it is. Yep. Yeah, and he's east facing. Yeah, so I use that. So you get the light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it gets quite humid in there as well. Oh, I've got it all worked out. Yeah, I know it's bad. Yes, yes. But anyway, bad but good. We love it. We love it. Okay, 94841927 is our number. Our, our special guest in the studio with us, Nellie Tarchuk. You would have been listening to her for the last 30 minutes or so. And uh, yeah, we've got you here till the end of the show, which we're looking forward to. Ray, tell us what's happening in your garden now. Oh, please, what's happening? And there still needs weeding. I haven't caught up on the weeding and that's a bit, I'm running late. I've been doing some mulching. 
out mm-hmm. the back. Okay, so and I've got to go and get more. This what is my, my dilemma. Well, I'm getting one through Green Life, and it's a three-way mix with yes. manure and wood and compost all mixed in together. Oh, that's mm. a different sounding one. Yeah, so it's all all happening. So it's it's easier, isn't it? It's is a, it a chunky bar? Very chunky. Oh, nice. Yeah, very chunky. Yeah. And it's going to feed the soil as well. Yeah. Yeah, so that's Sounds how I do good. it's all mixed together. So I'm utilizing that. I've got to we've got to do a few more trips and finish it off. By the trailer back. load or yeah, trailer. Yeah. Well, mm. yeah, because look, I had a truck little truck delivery and I I didn't get enough, but I've got a small space to store it. Like suburban mm. you know, I don't have a front uh lawn because I gardened it. it. I gardened it. It's all plants. So where do you tip it, you know? Mm. And um Actually, it just gave me a thought. I could tip it over the road, but then the neighbours probably wouldn't be very happy. But there are parking bays along the street. But uh, it'd only be temporary. But anyway, mm. carry on. And so, uh, yeah, I'm doing that. But uh, what's in what's happening in my garden? Everything is looking really, really well. I think everything. There's, you know, there's a few bugs having a bit of a field day in my garden. I was out there this morning, and something's tromping on my rose leaves. Then they're quite tatty. And I picked one off to bring in, and of course I left it at home because I went off in another direction. So I'm out gardening before we come and do the gardening show. Mm-hmm. Then I'm running late. Uh, yeah. Katie dids are out, yeah. the little grasshoppers, okay. and yeah. also the leaf, um, the resin bees. Some of them are actually chomping away at leaves to make their nests. Okay, I'll take a photo. Yeah, but and you can't you can't really tell which one of the bees is doing that because it's not the circle hole no it is just like they're chewing yeah 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 gnawing away oh maybe that's what it is i uh they they wouldn't be doing a lot of damage Mm. unlike the grasshoppers and weevils Mm. That that's another one. Well, I have which had if you get out at, at night, yeah. you might see weevils. But my birch trees are doing beautifully. They have established, you know, um, really well. And I just trying to think what I've got. I've got some a lot of salvias happening, and they're beautiful. they're flowering. I've got some deciduous plants that are. I have a beautiful herbaceous hibiscus that people really do love, and it grows to about at least a meter high, no higher, and has flowers the size of. Uh, dinner plates on it throughout summer. And wow. Yeah, yeah. I bought that one through Darren Darren Senior, actually. People do love that one. So he's on his way back. Okay. And crepe myrtles are already flowering. I have a small mm. crepe myrtle because ours Aren't died. they stunning? Hey? Aren't they stunning? Love them. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. But I feel, again, like we were saying off air, everything is early. Uh, yeah. Um, I have a beautiful celestial blue salvia which is a very popular one, but it's enormous, enormous. Don't get it unless you've got a lot of space because this thing gets really big. Yes, you could cut it back, and we do, and we bring it into size, and it just it, it wants to do its thing, and it gets mm. so big that it starts to almost lay over from the middle. It's so heavy, but it's stunning, and the blue-banded bees adore it. Yeah, so I have a lovely crab atoll that has been flowering beautifully. I had a beautiful flowering peach, as you know. I was showing off with a few pictures, and that's now just gone into burgundy leaves, and that's in a weeping form. So that's also very, very stunning. I love my dichondra repens that I have um, around the paving out the front. The bluestone pavers? Yeah, it's just very lush and uh, cool to walk on, you know. Mm. And, of course, I've got my annuals. I went to the nursery and, you know, grabbed bits and pieces during the week. Um, what annuals have you got, Ray? Uh, well, I'm trying to avoid the particular petunias and things. Yeah. Um, I went for no, gazanias, actually, pink gazanias. 
Right. I went for pink gazanias, just want to see what they do because mm. I want something hardy and I yep. put them around my litter box and I put them with uh, a little green moulding. Uh, it's not a grass, it's this type of sedum. I want to see what that actually does in contrast. I'm into contrasting things mm. and I'm into grasses and, and ornamental grasses and things like that. So a lot of them I chop back down and they're all growing up. I have a lot of grasses in my in my garden and out the back is completely different. And I'm over talking. We have to go to a break. Okay. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Thank you for your company this morning on Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest in the studio with us, Frangipani expert from West Coast Frangipani's Nellie Tarchel. All right, let's head out to Sawyer's Valley, talking about propagating blueberry bushes. How interesting. Karen, good morning. Good morning. I'm sorry I'm crook today, so my Mm. voice is pretty bad. You don't sound Um, too flash. Yeah, I've got several blueberry plants. Um, and one in particular, which I've lost the tag for, so I don't know what it is, but it has really big blueberries and they're really sweet. It's so much better than all the other varieties. And I just would love to be able to propagate it. It's a, it's about um, a metre high. It's got sort of branches coming off of it. Um, yeah, so I was trying to grow, grow it by seed. I don't know if you could do that or not. I think your your best bet, Karen, might to be to do some layering. Um, you know, you could try propagating from cuttings, but the benefit of layering is that you can partway break one of the lower stems so that it it wants to keep itself going and cover its bases. So you get another little pot and you you take one of the lower stems break it or cut it at the base so that it's wounded and peg that down into the pot or weight it down. You could use like a little piece of wire or a a small stone to weight it down and from that point it should take root and it'll still have the the nutrients uh, and support from the main plant but then when it does start growing you can cut it away. Nelly, have you got any other thoughts on what to do? I know that the most common way to propagate them from cuttings, but, yeah, air air layering is a good idea as well. Well, how how would you go about doing cuttings then? Well, I'm not a big expert, to be honest, on propagating blueberries, but just, I think, like using common sense, I would probably take any semi-hardwood cuttings, and we'll do it probably now bec- during active growing season because there is no point to start propagating anything closer to winter. And okay. probably, yeah, we'll just get some rooting powder, rooting hormone, and some yeah. very light, like seed, probably seed, seed raising mix type of thing. And yeah, same, yeah. same principles, just semi hardwood cutting your rooting powder and you plant in the light and airy soil and provide some heat from the bottom. Now maybe you don't even need a heat mat. You can put it somewhere on the paver that gets really warm during the day. And again, provide some humidity over it. Like maybe even cover it with a bit of plastic, but make sure it's not going to make it burn. You know, so it doesn't get in the direct sun. So it will burn because of this plastic. So just some nice and warm and protected position and give it a try. You're not losing much. 
anyway. All right. Thank you very much for that. Thank you. Go and get well, Karen. Take care, love. Thanks. Okay. Thank you very much. Cheers Bye-bye. for now. Bye. Yes, she sounded not too good. Mm. Well, and we did hear this week that COVID's COVID. doing the rounds again, so it is. be careful, everyone. I think um, I think we all know of someone who's either just had it or has it. And, uh, yeah, I went and had my fifth jabs mm. uh, about a week or so ago. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it is escalating out there, so we need to be careful because otherwise it's going to peak around. I My personal guess is heading towards Christmas, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a time when people get together, everyone's That's hugging right. and kissing and in Shopping centres, there's a lot more people moving around. There's mm-hmm. gatherings, there's parties, there's, uh, yeah, so it's it's all the, the recipe is there, isn't it? So be aware, take more care than we already do. And Pamela was listening to our advice on the magnolia and she said it's been in there for nearly five years and it's only in the last 12 months that it's uh, had the black spotty problem. I'll rethink the Stones and possibly take out the tree. So good luck oh, with that, th- yeah, Pamela. Great, great. Thanks for listening um, to that. In yeah. regards to the grapevine, uh, there are varieties that are more susceptible to powdery mildew, and these include flame seedless, red globe, cardinal, Italia, and crimson seedless. So all all varieties are susceptible in varying degrees. Mm. But these are the most susceptible, so basically Oh, avoid. sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. Uh, the most susceptible varieties are Chardonnay, Chenin Blanc, Riesling, Semillon, Verdelot and Cab- Cabernet. Something oh, all my favourites. They're wine, wine varieties. Yep. Shiraz and Grenache are less susceptible. My apologies. So the most susceptible... No, that is I'm right. I'm confused. There's th- yeah, I am too, I am. right? So... They're all susceptible. There's nothing there that tells us they're not susceptible. Mm. So, yeah, the most was what I said first. Table grape varieties include Blame Seedless, Red Globe, Cardinal Italia and Crimson Seedless. These are all most susceptible. Okay. Yeah. I I don't have a list of ones that aren't susceptible. If anyone out there knows, please tell us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go to Callum Scott. Maria, good morning. Oh, hello. Um, is it Ray or... Ray oh, and Faye and Nellie. Oh, oh Ray and Faye and Nellie. We're hello. all here. Girl, girl power this morning. Oh, I'm, I'm fine. Um, I'm just wondering about uh, what trees to put um, up against like a wall, a front wall, um, so and they're not invasive with non-invasive roots. Like um, I don't know what to put there because we've got the um, like the house, you know, uh, right. Like the I didn't want it to get underneath the roots of the house, sort of thing. The pad. pad. Um, How close are we talking about, Maria? Oh, just more or less, oh, uh, probably a metre away I could plant it, um, just so that it doesn't get too, uh, uh, just, I don't know, any any tree that doesn't get too invasive, like, I don't know about a hibiscus tree or uh, something like that. Um, Okay, with with only a metre, I would avoid trees that have any height 
Uh, because oh, you actually... okay. Yeah, it could be a, a shrub or a, a you know hibiscus-sized tree. I don't know. Okay, something that, with flowers. But I think yeah. I've got an answer for you. Frangipani, oh, okay. all the way. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> because they really have very compact root ball, and the roots are not invasive. Yeah. And you also can get oh, okay. some dwarf varieties that are even better. <laughs> so I think oh, that's the answer. There you go. Oh, okay. oh, <laughs> and this is our you. frangipani yeah. specialist, Maria. So you can't oh, get any okay. better advice oh. than that. I think that's oh, why that's I love good. them so much because they're so versatile. Mm. They are so hardy. Okay. They can grow nearly in every position. You know, they never cause any damage. There's yeah. not much fuss around them. You know, you don't need to. They're very low maintenance, you know, low water requirements and easy to prune and to look after them and they mm. never cause any damage to any infrastructure or walls and so well that well would be my said. way to go That's sort of, oh thank you for that I, I just didn't know what would be better i was thinking of a hibiscus tree there but i wouldn't um, say so that the root ball is quite it's not compact roots are yeah. going kind of everywhere they're spreading they're spreading quite a mm-hmm. bit. They might be not massive and thick roots, but lots of fibrous roots. And I wouldn't say it's ideal, you know, just looking at the right. shape of their roots and nature of their roots. But yeah. Okay. Okay, then. Thank you very much, then. That's a bit of an idea that I can... And you also um, can look at evergreen French pines if you have problem with leaf drop and you don't want to clean up after them. So there are some even dwarf evergreen varieties that are just beautiful and nice and glossy leaves and compact. So. Oh, okay. Oh, thank you for that. That's good. I'll, I'll have to look around in Bunnings or something like that. Is that the better place to go to? Or... Well, um. <laughs> you can certainly go to the lady sitting right yeah, you, here. Yeah, you, you can contact me through my page, Facebook page, if you like, and I do sell quite a few French panties. Oh, okay then. All oh, right. Can you give me a um, Facebook page? I will put you well, um, back to Bev, and Bev can uh, get your details, Maria. Oh, okay. Does then. that oh, sound great. okay? Thanks. Yeah, Thanks for be that. Great. Cheers. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye bye now. Bye. bye. Okay. And of course, your other frangie specialist is Beatrice, and I'll be giving away a seventy-five dollar gift voucher from them soon. Mm-hmm. And more emails. <laughs> Nelly, one is about of a French penny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. There is email from. Kev in Greenwood asking about pruning his tall French panties. Um, but situation is a bit tricky at the minute because it already started to bud. So it's about to start flowering and he's asking, how can I prune it to enjoy flowers in front of my eyes height? But if you prune it now, you're not going to see flowers no, this season, no. you know, unfortunately. And from what I see from the picture, it's really had to be pruned like years ago you know to create the shape that you're looking after because for the for time being it's already grown that sort of very tall stem main stem so it really had to be pruned before main stem reached that height you know to create wider canopy and the shorter main stem so you can't retrospectively make it yeah you cannot really change Mm. much right now because that already reached the shape and and main trunk is too tall and too lanky Mm. but if you have pruned it like years ago when it was just one stick and that main trunk at the right height that would push up from there it will be a shorter main trunk but very large round bushy canopy what you can do now but 
I don't know. Again, you have to keep in mind that you will sacrifice this year flowering. You can prune your branches to as low as you want. You, you just imagine your future canopy that you're going to get from there. Keep in mind that any way you prune it, your, your branches, it will give you new three, four branches come out of there. So you, there are three main branches from what I can see on the picture. You can prune quite low, all of them. So three branches will give you nine or 12 potentially in the future. If you prune it a bit higher because you have, then they branch out and they have like more branches growing higher. If you prune it there, again, every branch will give you another three and four. But it depends on like what shape you're looking for. Does it matter for you to have more branches or you want them to be lower and more accessible so you can see the flowers actually not your neighbors. So like bear in mind if you keep if you prune it really low these three branches you will get nine or twelve in the future but really on the on your in front of your eyes. But if you prune them higher it will be bushier but again you won't be able to see flowers well unfortunately. You know, I reckon the benefit of this is that it's got up above the fence height and many gardeners are looking for a canopy. Like once you create yeah. a canopy in your garden, I would just take probably the right hand, I would cut it back about fence high to get the three branches and that will give it um, nice leaf cover at fence high. And the advantage is... Then, I mean, it looks like crassula underneath, which is a very sun-hardy plant. But I, I would also fill in a couple of little shrubs, um, maybe even the happy plants that we've been seeing or cordylines or something that would really benefit by the, the cover in the summertime to protect their foliage. And that way you get a layered garden. So they've yep. got the, the tall top canopy. They've got a low ground cover. So something to fill the gap and uh, block out the fence behind. Yeah, because mm. normally what looks the best in the landscape, you need to create at least like three layers, mm. three different heights. So your frangipani will be the tallest one, your yeah. canopy and providing shade in the future to your understory plants. And then you can plant something. What I've done in my garden, because I feel all the gaps between my frangipanis with canna lilies, with heliconias, with even clevias, they, they're thriving really well there, but they pr give me so much different textures and colors and mm. different times of the year. And then your lower level, or even hibiscuses. I have lots oh, bromeliads. of hibiscuses. Bromeliads, <laughs> your lowest level. Yeah, I got them everywhere. And then your ground cover. So when you've got these three or four different levels, heights, different flowers, different leaf textures, it looks so appealing and so lush and green and everything Kev, is Kev's got the bones there yep. he just needs to embellish a little bit more with plants yep. permission to go shopping Kev. <laughs> <laughs> okay now do you have we do more to talk um, about yeah Goodness. Ross has sent us in a photo of some ponytail plants ah, that yes. have actually pushed out some more shoots from the base and um, she wants to know should they be left there or should they be taken off? She actually likes the look of them. I mean, they're, that's fine, you know, like some t it depends what what sort of look you want to yeah. create in a garden. Um, the benefit of this is you've got the lovely green down low mm. and that variety of texture, colour and foliage. 
uh, rather than a trunk. But if you've got a trunk, you can accentuate the base of the, the plant and you can add lots of other things around it. It's all about bouncing um, colour and contrast in foliage and texture, mm. isn't it? It is. And seasons, so there's always something yeah, different to look something at. Something exciting look going to. on. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're having a short break. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. You're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening on 100.1, the fabulous 100.1 FM, Curtain Radio. Special guest in the studio with us, Nellie Chuchik from Chuchik Tarchuk, isn't it? Is that how you say it? Help <laughs> us out here. because Nobody very... can say it the way it, <laughs> it should be said, but that's okay. Don't worry say about. it. It's no, really hard. Tkachuk. Tka. Tkachuk. Yeah, Tkachuk. It's really Tkachuk. like hard. Hard, to like, I yeah, you I, need to pronounce kind of every single. To cut. <laughs> I don't mind as long as I know. Okay. No, it's it's just because it's European. You know, yeah. we pronounce everything like really specifically. You know, we don't miss any letters. Like yeah. for example, in English, you you spell out some, and some are yeah. kind of getting lost. But in European languages, you what you see, what you read, is what you say exactly. Yeah. You know. And where are you originally from? From Ukraine. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. All right, we've got a long question. Thank you for that too, by the way. Tkachuk. I quite Perfect. I will be able to do that, I'm sure. <laughs> although not today. Uh okay, we're in Gosnells. Les, good morning. Good morning, how are you? We are all well, thank you. I listen to your show most Saturdays and uh follow it up with uh afternoon six hours of country. But apart from that uh-huh. I've lived in my premises here for 17 years. For nine years of that, I lived in a lounge chair. Wow. Because of of spinal problems. But due to the miraculous work that Royal Perth does, they've found out that they'll give me the needles in the wrong place. They've solved all the pain, right? But my query is this. Uh, 2019, (coughs) they had the COVID payment. I put all that COVID payment into my front garden. Oh, and wow. I grew, I grew rock melons, I grew tomatoes, and it's only a good area. But that's beside the point. I've got two questions I'd like answered. Yep, go ahead, Les. First is the lawn. The lawn has been mowed on a regular basis for 17 years that I know of. It's never been fertilised. And uh, they come along, they do all the edgings and that, and they come along with the blower, and it's infiltrated the garden with kaikui grass. And I thought, no, nah, so I went and got myself a lawnmower, and I'm cutting the lawns myself now. But my question is this. I heard you say to the guy before, you fertilise every six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. With a wedding with a wetting soil. Well, there no. is a product that is fertiliser and wetting agent in one. Well, I'll have to go to my landscape supplier and find out, but no. The lawn's looking good. I only mowed it yesterday and it's starting to take shape. And I'm going back to the days when over, over 60 odd, no, yeah, over 50 years ago, my father used to build Bowling greens, 
Um, we built them right through the wheat belt, Rosmine, Mount Pleasant, North Perth. Anyway, what is your recommendation for, uh, what do you call it, top, uh, top dressing? When yep. is the best time to top dress? I would not not prior to a 37 degree day probably a month ago would have been good and I would use a lawn blend and the the only reason I would use it is to fill the divots in uneven lawn and to just bring it bring it up to level and I don't smother the lawn. I really only fill the gaps mm. so that the lawn has got space to grow into it. Sometimes if, well, if it's been mowed perhaps with a rotary mower, mm. the the ground can become very compact and the the lawn, you can see, it doesn't have anywhere to grow. Well, this, this lawn that I'm talking about, I had service people in there yesterday because they're renovating a heap of units. Right. Bring them up to scratch. And the bloke turned around and said to me, he said, I'm, I'm very bad, sorry about dry. I said, I'm not worried about the lawn, mate. It's taken me 12 years to get the reticulation working. Mm. But apart from that, uh, the lawn is very, very spongy. And yeah. I thought what I'd do... Uh, Top dress the lawn and then water the compound into the grass. Understand what I mean? Yeah, that won't that won't help with the sponginess yeah, less. Absolutely. It needs yeah. to be verti mode. Verti mode, yep. Mm. It needs a rejuvenation, a renovation. Yep. yep. So what you what you're telling me is what they've been doing before, cutting the lawn, leaving the grass on top is not recommended. No, it's absolutely not the way. Mm. Pardon? No, it's not the way, unfortunately. No, nah, well, yeah, that's been my argument, but now I've got it from a professional. I know what I'm talking about, right? I have got so, a lawn specialist teed up in the next couple of weeks, Les. So, yeah, yeah. Um, As I say, I listen to you every every Saturday morning. Yeah. And the girl next door, she listens to some gardening radio on 6WF, whatever it is. But yeah. uh, now, second point. When we got we got paid a certain amount for COVID, right? Yep. yep. Make it quick, Liz, because we've got a board full of calls coming through. Yep, that's all right. I invested all my money to make a vegetable garden. I don't like growing flowers because they're show. I'd like to grow something and eat it, right? That's okay. my philosophy. But what I'm saying, <clears throat> with your experience, I went to a certain retailer here, bought all the board, put them all down. Does treated pine bleach into the soil? Well, it pine has an effect on the soil. It can make it acidic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. but if you're growing vegetables, I pine bark isn't what I would be using. I no. would be using no. a soft mulch. Yep. This is not pine bark. This is... Fine, 900, what is it? Uh, I call it uh, 42. 40. So are you talking oh, about raised garden slippers. beds? Yes, slippers. And I think this treated with arsenic. Would that affect 
the, the garden bed? Well, it potentially wouldn't be something that might be recommended. I think it's a grey area. And actually, you know what I'll do? I will uh, refer this to John to see what he can find out because I know this has come up before. I think if you were doing an organic garden, you probably wouldn't use treated pine sleepers. Well, um, what I'm thinking about doing is going down to the hardware shop next week and I've got treated uh, to all the borders again because I've been in the ground, what's that, five years? No, it's more than five. Yeah, Les, we have to move on, Squire. Um, so if we can get some information back to you uh, today, we will. Probably more mm-hmm. likely more like next week. week. I've got a board full of people waiting to talk. No worries. Take care. Talk to you girls and, and you, you too. enjoy the remainder of the weekend. You Thanks, too. Les. Thank have you. a great weekend yourself. Okay, let's get one more in Queen's Park. Karen, how are you going? Yes, good morning, Gladys. Just a quick question. I just checked my mango tree in the back. I've got a pretty big mango tree. It all it keeps dropping the little fruit. It's about this big between uh, between a nail size and uh, and uh, a, a little cherry cherry tomato size. What can I do to to stop it from dropping? More water, less water. I think it gets enough water. It got fertilizer. What 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 am I doing wrong that all that all the fruit is dropping? Karen, it's probably the winds that we've been having this week. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever is left on the tree at Christmas time is possibly more likely to what will move through to maturity. But, yeah, you're not alone. There have been a lot of winds mm-hmm. and, but, and it's but dropping. But shall, shall I give it more water or less water? That's ne- but I never know. Does it need a lot of water when it's fruiting or not? Yes. Consistent watering. Yes, yeah, that's they the do. Thing. And what mm-hmm. you can do is get yourself a water meter and mm-hmm. you can poke that in the soil and that will give you an indication of the moisture level in the soil that's probably the best okay. way to go okay great thanks a lot have a lovely day thanking you bye, thanks. Thank bye you, karen. karen and that's that was a nice quick call which is what we need at the moment having a short break when i return we've got carol roma and vel we will be speaking to you next curtain radio and we're back straight on to the phone calls. Let's go to Yokai and Roma. Good morning. Morning, Roma. I can hear your radio on in the background, Roma. Are you there, Roma? Okay, I'm going to move on because we're running out of time. We're in Shoalwater. Val, good morning. Good morning, Faye and Ray. Good morning, um, Val. Agapant. Um, I have a big patch of agapanthus, but something started nibbling either side of some of the leaves and then one of the buds which has sort of come up about eight inches has got these little sort of brown spots all up so I wondered if it was um, chili thrip or do you know what it might be? I don't really think it would be chili thrips. Um, There are certainly grasshoppers around and weevils. If you can't see anything in the daytime, I would head out at night time with the torch mm-hmm. and have a look oh. because I have seen a lot of crickets uh, and weevils out at night time. Okay. Is it worth spraying with anything? Oh, they're agapanthus, so I I wouldn't. I mean... No. Yeah. I, a lot of things in the garden I just let go and, and just like to go out on my night photo shoots and see. See what's out there. Enjoy okay. them. Visitors in your garden is a good thing, Val. 
Yeah, well, I've just sort of pulled some of the leaves off that they've nibbled. The other thing is um, when and what's good to fertilise with them, because I don't know if you've ever seen the agapanthus in the medium strip at um, Dianella. They're absolutely magnificent at the moment. They're all in flower. and So can you tell me what's good to feed them with and when, please? I always, through the winter, throw around palletised chicken manure because it's cheap and easy and the rains wash it in. And then uh, in the growing flowering time, if I feel like it, uh, some slow-release fertiliser for flowering and fruiting plants. And it's easy. Just about everything in the garden can get it and it's a, a job done once. I probably wouldn't do it this week with it being 37 degrees. I would have done it... No sort of when, when spring was kicking off, but you could do it again before Christmas. Pick a mild week. Okay, right, thank you. I'll have a look after dark then. <laughs> okay, good on you, Val. Good on you, Val. Thank you. Thanks all the best. Enjoy the weekend. Beautiful weekend. Bye-bye. Yes, Bye. And um, we're in Coogee, and we're saying good morning to Carol. How's it going? Oh, good, thank you. Um, I bought some seedlings bunching onions. They're about up to my knee. Do I wait for them to die off like the garlic, the green, or do I just have... They've been in five or six months now. Do you know? What, to eat them or divide them or what do you... Well, to to harvest them, yes. Oh, you can harvest them at any time. You could... Certainly you could pick off the tops and have them as greens. Uh, I think they probably want to die down at some point, which you would yeah. lift and divide them. Yeah, okay, okay. And next one, that little waspy thing that makes nests on your wall, is that good, bad or indifferent for oh, your garden? They're your little friends, Carol. They'll go out oh, collecting cool. caterpillars. Uh, they're probably the solitary mud-nesting wasps. I have many. Oh, mm. I, I just love them. They create these works of art and if you've ever got up close like I stand on a chair and get too close without upsetting them but I watch them just spin with the juices from their saliva the mud and they just make these gorgeous little pots on the wall then they'll fly off and get some water from the bird bath a caterpillar from the garden then they'll come and provision their nest and they'll seal it up. And they're such hard work workers and many different types. They're a blessing to have in your garden. Oh, goody, because I've got a little insect farm thing out the front and I've got them down the bottom section and I wondered whether they were good or bad. So they're good, so they're staying. They're they all good. They're adding to biodiversity and that's what our planet needs. Wonderful. Thank you, girls. Thanks, Thanks Carol. Bye. And with only a couple of minutes to go, I am going to give away the $75 gift voucher to Bigger Trees very, very quickly. Um, now, as you know, they are the Frangipani Ornamental and Fruit Tree Specialists up there in Pickering Brook. They have a lot of stock arriving every week. Heaps of colourful spring colour. Yes, it is still spring. Uh, the frangies are starting to flower and more frangies are being added to Bigger's collection weekly. And you will discover those harder to find, rarer varieties at Bigger Trees as as well now bigger tree for bigger plants and for little plants bigger trees has it covered they do deliver across the metro area you can browse browse their colorful facebook page for updates uh open from thursday through to sunday more details please go to biggertrees.com.au forgive me because i'm speaking quickly because of the time here is your question you must be a curtain fm member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days 
Here's your question. In the song Rockin' Robin, who taught Robin to do the bop? In the song Rockin' Robin, who taught Robin to do the bop? Give Bev a call now on 94841927 and that $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees will be yours this week. You can go shopping in time for Christmas. How good is that? Okay, wrap up. Thanks, Nelly. It has been an absolute pleasure again to have you in the studio with us sharing your extensive knowledge. Thank you very much. And likewise, I cannot get enough of talking about plants. <laughs> we'll get you again for sure next year. We're coming up to the end of the year. Yeah, our last show is the 9th, I think, of December. So we've got a few weeks to go and then we'll have a Christmas bit of a summer break. And come back all refreshed for next year. Yeah, Beautiful. it's been a big year as well. So, but we look forward to the next few programs. We've got some interesting guests lined up. Have, have we not, Faye Cara? We have. Yeah. Yes. So, no, thank you very much, thank Nelly. Thank you. And wishing you and yours a lovely Christmas. Do you do Christmas? I do Christmas, but I will be away this year and yep. I will have very different Christmas. I'm going to Vietnam, so I'm going to celebrate Christmas and New Year in very different tradition. Oh, <laughs> that's lovely. And in a very different culture, and I'm really excited about it. Because you also, with your plant, you, are you still importing or is that all? Unfortunately, I cannot import. Like, it, there is no way to import any longer because there is no post quarantine facility anymore that I can book. But if I could find one, I would be importing tomorrow. <laughs> oh, but yeah. at least I brought in enough stock last time when I could and I keep growing and propagating and yeah, yeah, yeah. and growing my own varieties, new hybrids from seeds. So You are obsessed. I am. <laughs> yeah, it's, it never stops, no yeah. matter what. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel thank you very, very much. And with our quiz question, uh, the calls are coming through now, which tells me that people probably had to go and look that up, in, which is fantastic. Uh, we will give the answer to the quiz for Bigger Trees voucher. Probably I'll get Jim to do that and uh, and we'll give you the answer as well. Okay, so because I can see the lines are busy now. Always we have these bottlenecks, don't we, on a Saturday morning. It always happens. All right. Um, thanking John Glidden and Bev Daring as always. Uh, Jim Crinan, our cycling DJ, sitting there very quietly and behaving himself for now. He's up next with the classic 70s. He'll take you through till 12 noon. Then we go country with Brendan Teen, born in boots. My gardenism for the morning is the success of my garden is built on the compost of my failures. <laughs> I, I stole that one off Green Life Soil Co. So I thought that was very... Uh, very apt. Look, everyone, uh, enjoy the day and happy gardening. We'll talk to you next week. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.